You're listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Sydney. I'm Danny, and I help connect businesses with top tech talent. And today, I'm your host. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone joining me today discussing creating high-performance teams. got a fantastic panel, and I'd like to kick off the podcast by asking you who you are, what you do, and what you're passionate about. Um, I'm happy to kick things off. So I'm Danny, part of Evolution's team of recruitment consultants. I specialize in recruiting contract DevOps and cloud engineers in Sydney. A big passion of mine is helping companies and teams scale up and grow during kind of big digital transformation projects. Um, Basal, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Danny. Um, you know, pleasure to be a part of the Evolution podcast team here. Um, yeah, again, it's a great subject. So I just wanted to have um, be part of this and um, and, and see how I go. So um, yeah, so my name is Basan, as you know all know. Probably just uh, didn't have a chance to um, introduce myself to Ben. So, but I just um, yeah, um, I've been in technology industry for about 17 years now. So, yeah, been in and around um, programmer and just a little bit of managing and leading team. So now I'm with Carly as a car subscription, um, just performing as a CTO. Uh, have a, a fairly uh, medium scale team. So just looking after front end, back end, all the development stuff. So just would love to develop the team and you know just be around with that ecosystem learn technology and you know contribute as much as i can and just as i mentioned earlier danny that you know some of those goals like you know making our resources as the future leaders or future tech leaders is something that you know i just passionate myself yeah that's me amazing fantastic ben over to you Thanks, Danny. Yeah, uh, Ben Mackey, CTO of Quilla. Um, been at Quilla for uh, about a year and a half. Um, before that, spent an awesome seven years at Atlassian, being a part of their, their massive growth. Um, there are about 300 when I joined and 5,000 when I left, so that was a great ride. But having a really great experience getting into a early earlier stage startup that's preparing for scale, and uh, uh, I, I, I love I love the, the the operational side of cloud and just how being on the forefront of that, uh, and, and and how that stretches just 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 how new it is I think to the industry, uh, but but probably I'd say my primary passion is creating uh, an amazing cross-functional culture a culture that is. Uh, helps teams both thrive in, in, in terms of who they are, but but what they can achieve together. Um, and Quilla Quilla has uh, a similar passion too. So uh, we're we're really looking to create like that that sort of forefront uh, culture that engages teams. Uh, and also a blog a bit about culture as well and technology and so on. So little little plug for for my blog on stateofwork.substack.com there as well. If you want to hear a bit more about my thoughts in that way. Brilliant. Thanks for that. We'll add the link to that in the description as well so people can go and visit your blog. Um, Oliver? My name is Oli Fletcher and I lead the Elastic Engineering Capability across APJ for Rackspace Technology. I've worn many hats throughout my career from developer, scrum master, systems engineer, consultant, architect uh, and leadership roles as well. A little bit about what Elastic Engineering is and what we offer our customers is uh, Rackspace's professional services capability that delivers DevOps, SRE, and cloud engineering. What is important to us is building trust with our customers and becoming an extension of our customers' team. 
In the last two years, uh, we've grown rapidly uh, from two engineers to close to 40 engineers. And uh, we work across a diverse set of industries uh, and organization sizes as well. For those interested in hearing more about our capability and what we do for our customers or joining the team, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Thanks for that. Um, all right. To kick off the first question of the session, um, what are the key and critical components of building a high-performance team? Basan, would you like to kick us off? Sure. Um, thanks, Danny. Uh, um, thanks, Ben and Oliver. They're really great to know um, you guys being what you guys been doing and uh, how passionate you are. Um, yeah. So uh, my initial thoughts, as I mentioned, like you know, building really high performing team. I was just having discussion, like you know, the fluid traction between the teams. So there are some. Um, they're not. I wouldn't say that they are critical or key component, but I would say that there are some of those characteristics that we want to see in each team. It's like, you know, as a leader, you're setting the directions and, and just telling them, well, this is what we're going to achieve. And just, you know, your vision and missions, we are clearly communicating and just, you know, giving them empowerment enough so that they can just go out and, you know, think through and have their own uh, way of doing things and just making or making them feel that, you know, they own that stuff. And um, they're having the 100% fulfillment. Well, we just matter in the shared objectives or goals that we are trying to achieve. Um, those all are our end results. We can see that so that the visible activities, what they're doing. So that, that's something is, is what one, one thing I can think of as a leader. So we're just making sure that our teams are like and emphasize they have all the support and all kind of like, you know, the empowerment and freedom um, those those has been facilitated, so that's one thing I, I think of. And the the other component, you, you the culture itself again. So giving that culture, it could be just you know flexibility. Someone wants to learn, or someone has some other aspects of it. So all those has been considered and equally you know cared enough. So that's another thing that so that the everyone feel like you know valued, everyone feel equal. Um, and the same time, just you know, understanding what their development goals are and what we as an organization we want to achieve, having that really clear communication. So um, those three or four things I would I would think of. And at the same time, we just you know um, making sure just you know what we are trying to achieve has the clear priority, and those priority has been communicated. They are not drifting around, but just making sure that they have that focus and all the facilities has been given to them. So those are the few things what I what I think I just you know to start or at least you know get get started to build some you know fluid or or not really um, agile team. Um, as I was mentioning to Danny so that if you look at the Formula One, so the driver is running 250 miles or 300 miles car so that he has 100% trust on his team so that someone's putting a new wheel is already bolted. Those are properly right so the wheels are not going off. <laughs> so having that bond or like you know a trust between the team is another vital team so that if just someone is performing some activity or task or releasing so those releasing uh, the sequential activities are 100 trusted and then they respect each other very well so those are the things what i think of yeah yeah that sounds good that's you know i mean um Sometimes the way I, I, I think about it, oh, if, even if you look at like, I think the history of thinking about high performance teams, I think it's evolved from looking at just the activity of the team. Uh, the, the old school sort of management philosophy is 
if people are busy, if people are, you know, clocking in and out at the right times and they're just busy, they're doing the work, like that that means they're they're high performing. But over time the industry and we've all learned that culture is a really important part, as you said, that, that culture is just a really important part of that. And and all of a sudden, yeah, trust trust comes into the equation because it's well okay if, if the role of the leader isn't gonna like constantly be watching everyone in the team to make sure they're working. Uh, and particularly so, you know, as remote work has become a thing, a bigger thing, then uh, then trust has to be there. And, and th- th- those outcomes that you mentioned, that's that point of trust is talking about well, what are the outcomes we, we, we working together agree we should be achieving. And then the trust is that, that the team is going to get behind those outcomes and and sort of uh, contribute and contribute and the culture that underpins that. Uh, I, I do I do think that I'm not trying to say that like craft or in, internal aspects of the teams shouldn't be measured in any way. But I mean, the way I look at that with trust is that then there's like I'd, I'd rather the team is sort of self-measuring those things and and just just had this culture of striving for, for, for increasing excellence. And so that measurement was more for the sake of the team than, um, than for the leader. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. And I think the the other thing there to t- touch on would be around, I guess, self-organizing teams. Um, I think when teams are able to define uh, their outcomes in terms of how they measure themselves and that those goals that they're driving towards, um, certainly that just drives a lot more ownership for the team. And it then in turn brings a lot more fulfillment to your, your engineers and the team. Um, and that kind of goes into, I guess, that psychological safety around around teams and and just making people fulfilled in what they're doing day to day as well. Fantastic. Any kind of closing comments on that, Basan? Do you think that kind of answered the points that, that you were looking to get out of that? Uh, I think um, you know, there are valuable contributions from Ben and Oliver again. So um, as we say that in you know, our trust, the, the factor that Ben a little bit emphasized. So yeah, I really agree more. Yeah. Amazing. And then we're going to go over to the next question, which was posed by Ben. Um, Obviously, you know, got a huge leadership background, like you mentioned at Alassian um, a couple of years back. So, you know, what is the role that leaders play in creating a high-performing team, and the boundary between what a leader's role is and what the team's role is? Would you like to give it a context towards that? Yeah, I think this is one of the, the biggest challenges for a, a leader of a modern technology team because we we all like there's I could see statements that we all agree with like we agree that team autonomy is good, you know, but we agree that like everyone aligning with strategy is good. Um, but but sometimes it can feel like maybe there's some like interesting creative t- tension between those two things, and the leaders often in the middle trying to create that that right balance. Uh, and so if we think high performance has both an element of like outcomes as well as culture, um, how then do we think about that as leaders? How do we approach that? How do we, how do we both empower teams but also uh, empower leaders? Just to know, yeah, what 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 do you guys think of that? Yeah. I think for me, I think yeah, for me, yeah. what what resonated <laughs> the most is before we, I guess, before we kicked off, <laughs> um, in terms of the the chat we're having on LinkedIn. Um, so I guess you mentioned, uh, I think the line that you mentioned was uh, that being a leader can be 
at times uh, as a zero-sum game. Um, and I think certainly there are times that you can't make everyone happy and it's, it's hard as a leader to try and strike a balance of meeting your business objectives and constraints and giving teams what they need uh, to be high-performing. So I, I think in that, uh, I believe certainly leaders need to be uh, do, do a really good job at just listening um, and taking feedback from a diverse range of their people. Um, certainly you can't take time to be talking to everyone, um, but you need to find methods such as surveys, you know, open forums, um, so you can understand where you can be making improvements to improve performance across the organisation. Yeah, definitely. Um 100% agree with Oliver comments. <laughs> um, yeah, so to me, I think there's um, another thing I was just reading, you know, um, there are a couple of books I refer, like, you know, The Leaders at Last and a couple of those books. Um, this one particularly I was reading, I can't remember the, the book. So um, it, it just one thing really flashed me is ultimate ownership as a leader, like, you know, regardless what we do or we try to achieve. Uh, just hundred percent focused. We are trying to facilitate around it. So as you clearly, as you mentioned, like you know, we are communicating with the team, and, and team is hundred percent focused and providing everything. But at the same time, having that ultimate ownership and ultimate, like you know, the delivery driven, um, that's something as a leader we should be uh, focused on. So uh, if you ask me, we're trying to achieve any business objectives. Those objectives are um, obviously performed by our team, but just as a leader, you're just making sure that you are evolving 360 degree across the team and just you know, making sure that they got everything. Um, that, that's something, it's just one point for what my personal experience think of has been given me, like, you know, the better results. I think, Ollie, you mentioned there um, kind of using surveys to kind of get employee feedback and how you can kind of improve on that. Is that something you, you kind of do quite frequently or is that something that you kind of look to implement? Have you had any kind of previous success using those? Yeah, definitely. So I guess this year what we enacted is uh, NPS scorecards for our internal engineering teams. So rather than, you know, us going out to our customers and figuring that stuff out, it was more reflecting on how can we improve our day-to-day -day for our engineers as well. Um, so treating essentially our engineers as customers. Um, that's been a good way for us to measure where we can uh, improve, like, you know, tooling processes, whatever it may be, um, and make sure that we have that focus on the internal initiatives as a management team. Fantastic. Is that something either of you gents have, have used at all or seen in the past? Definitely, uh, Danny. Did uh, in one of my teams in Alassian, it felt like really a really useful tactic uh, to to what we we called an engineering effectiveness survey. Um, and what was great, like ask, definitely asking it one off was great, but but having it on a cadence, like a six monthly cadence or three monthly cadence, was really good because we were asking questions like, "Do you feel confident in 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 making changes in the code base?" and uh, "What?" Are, what 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 areas do you want training on and so on? So there's lots of really good questions because we could see the changes uh, between those cadences after having implemented certain actions, and that created like a positive reinforcement uh, loop back to the team. And like, hey, we are getting more confident collectively. So I think what's good about surveys isn't just that communication between the team and the leader, but it's actually the collective communication 
amongst everyone <laughs> as they get as they because you want to be open and share the results. So um, so yeah, that was that was quite positive. That's great. That's great. Um, all right. And how do you keep the team motivated? And how is the vision and the mission of the organization convincing to everyone? I think Basan, do you want to kick us off with your thoughts on that topic? Yeah. Um, another really interesting um, the areas I was trying to explore. It is probably you kind know, of followed by the discussions what we had, having that um, little bit of like you know the review system. If you are using some kind of surveys, like you know, anonymous surveys. Um, but again, just as a leader, that is also for us. How are we going to make sure that our team is following, like you know, if you are a leader, your team is following you, and they trust 100% the path you're taking, trying to achieve. Um, that's compelling, like you know, just making sure, giving that uh, enough evidences and, and enough examples. For instance, if someone is just uh, been in that position for a couple of years, they are being like in and out there doing just making sure that they are still interested, you know, they have been treated with the um, really interesting work, so they are not getting bored, and, and at the same time, just, you know, taking the opportunity to just promote them, whatever their um, aspires are, they could just want to be learning new team. Um, that's another thing what I'm thinking, as, as a leader, like, you know, sometimes we might think that, oh, just he's doing performing really well, or like, you know, team is performing really well, so uh, we just don't have to worry much. But at the same time, we just have to understand internally so that, you know, if we have to move into a different team, they have to take a different position or something that we need to cater. Um, that, that's one thing what I thought of, like, you know, it was quite um, surprising to me that, you know, someone is just getting bored and, you know, that's probably, that's going to be a motivation factor. But I found that it is one of the attributes. Um, yeah, that, that's that's one thing. And the second thing is just, um, uh, just making sure that whatever they deliver today, they have a clear impact. So they are part of the journey, they are part of the business, and their each and every actions, what they do, it has been noticed. Um, and just making sure that they are not just something that they have been assigned and they have completed and done. Uh, just giving enough assurance that you know um, they are uh, actively, they have been reviewed and they have been like you know promoted they have been always supported and encouraged and whatever it's not again the feedback loop that it is back and forth both sides of it we're just giving the constant feedback we're not not waiting for three months cycles six month cycles and an year cycle that you know the um the review performance reviews so, but it has to be constant feedbacks that when and every now and then when they perform something and we're just doing that constant feedback so keeping them motivated keeping them you know um, that conversation going so something that i thought like you know these are two or three uh, things or the attributes could just, you know, make the team a little bit motivated. Um, but I was just, you know, happy to see that what Ben and Oliver thinks of it. Um, thanks, Sana. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I think that's a great point around rapid feedback. I've often used the term sort of no surprises. You know, you don't want, no one likes a surprise particularly if, and, 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 and timely feedback is so important. Uh, I, I, I think that, uh, I say it. I think making that going back to your original point of like a team motivated around the vision and vision and the mission. Just making that really clear and explaining the why. Um, I, I, I might be oversimplifying my my response here, but it's just so simple to say. We've heard the phrase "start with why" as a book and so on, but but it is it's just so important. Uh, I literally today was speaking with an engineer that's a month into Quello and. 
he said, I, I, I hear I hear you talking about, or not me personally, but just, you know, those around me talking about the why we do things a lot. And that just fills me with confidence. And, and uh, I just loved hearing that, you know, because that's at, that at the core of the motivation of the team to just know why they're doing it. The moment someone's just being told, do this thing, rather than explaining the why, it... It, it, it disconnects them. It just makes people feel like they're they're there to, to, to just churn through tasks. But and why doesn't it? Not only does it motivate someone to do tasks, but then it, it gives them a brain. It helps them to think of, come up with alternatives, uh, uh, feedback to say, actually, if that's the why, maybe we should do something different um, to achieve that outcome. And so that pushes that trust conversation up to the outcomes level rather than just just the work level. Uh, and and that, that empowers the person. I think that's where the heart of the autonomy is. And then the feedback can then flow up from it just being about the work to whether outcomes are being achieved as well. So uh, I love your point, Sana. And I guess, yeah, it's, it's great when teams grow and in terms of learning how to motivate each other and how leaders can motivate teams. Brilliant, thank you. Ollie, interested to hear your thoughts on that one as well, mate. Um, so I think, unfortunately, Ben stole the words from my mouth. I'm very much <laughs> always about about the why, the why as well. Um, I think it's really important to give meaning um, to people. As I was mentioning earlier, we were talking about, I guess, psychological safety uh, as well. So that's certainly one of the pillars of, of that. I think on a, on a less serious note, though, I think it's really important uh, for me personally just to make work a little bit lighthearted and fun. Um, for us as a team, we've certainly enacted meetings and social events um, to come together as a team and not so much talk about work. Um, I think it's important as a team for us to, you know, grow our relationships um, outside the context of the day-to-day as well. Um, another thing I would mention is is with the new norm and the way that the world is or the way the world, world has certainly become, I'm certainly more flexible with working arrangements these days. I think it's really important um, to to understand that, you know, everyone has an, uh, a life outside of work as well, and I try and be as accommodating as possible for that. I think both of those things um, really helps to, to motivate our engineers. Fantastic. I think Ben took the words out of your mouth and you've just taken them out of mine. Um, <laughs> on to our next question, which was, how have you or your teams enacted or delivered change to help build psychological safety to improve performance? Um, I know, Ollie, you've just kind of touched on that already. Would anybody else like to take the reins? I'm happy to. Um... Yeah, so uh, yeah, psychological safety is important. Uh, if I can maybe tie it back to a couple of things I heard earlier, uh, like Oliver, you made a, a really good point about how important it is for leaders to listen. Uh, and I think that's 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 a really important part of psychological safety because I think when I think of psychological safety, I think is it is it safe for people to speak what's on their mind? Like like, do they internally think I I can I have a voice in it and it's heard. And if, if leaders aren't able to listen, then that, that is like a quick way to kill psychological safety. So so just 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 reconnecting that point that you made, Oliver. And, and 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 so I think when leaders engage teams, you can forget you can forget that they see you as a leader. Um 
and that's a problem. That can be a, like a blind side thing for a leader. Uh, I, I sometimes forgot as I became more senior over my career, the gap that might create and how I might, you know, potentially intimidate an engineer that I'm talking to. And so I, I find myself more intentionally these days trying to, trying to bring myself down to, uh, I mean, bring myself down to not their level in a sense, uh, not that I'm above them or anything, but just just try to pave the way to say, I'm just here as a team member or we're just here to have a, a discussion about strategy and want to hear your opinions, like just verbally um, create a level playing field. Um, so that helped me be more aware because otherwise I, I might just start talking and people are going to think, oh, the CTO is speaking or, or <laughs> Whatever and 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 I won't because I'm not thinking that way. I won't. I'll be like, why is everyone quiet? You know. <laughs> um, so so I've learned to try to like really verbally say that. So because I sometimes as a leader as well, like Oliver said, from a personal perspective, I do just want to be <laughs> one voice in a room. I do just want the best idea to win. And 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 I think creating that level playing field when leaders and teams are interacting around strategy in particular creates that psychological safety that really does connect people with strategy uh, more strongly and more powerfully. Yeah, um, definitely, Ben. So I yeah, kind of agree more. Uh, to me, I think it, it sounds like, you know, just we have to be always vigilant to listen from the team so that, you know, what they have been trying to tell us, and you know, I just, you know, even though it could be just active or sometimes it could be passive that, you know, we're just noticing their just to develop behavior and then just having that open dialogue and just making sure, are you okay? You know, what's going on? Some kind of like, you know, really simple things we could do. Um, that might also benefit to just to make sure that, you know, in none of our team, we just, you know, having those psychological issues or, you know, at the same time, having a little bit of ethical things is also, or like, you know, someone who's trying to say, or, you know, in their discussion. So just making sure um, everyone is just, you know, well-respected. Um, and we have a little bit of like, you know, the standards and norms in, in place. So just to make, making sure that we have a, um, enough safety or just assurance that, you know, we are not hurting anyone's feeling or just not hurting psychologically someone being saying that. So uh, those are two or three things what I can think of, but that's really great point. So it just, it is uh, so small things, it goes unnoticed, but um, it, it makes a huge impact. And we couldn't <laughs> couldn't be able to notice, but uh, yeah, those are the things. Um, I would think that you know, just having a little bit of norms and and bit of standards and ethics, just having that you know, simple conversations frequently, uh, could just put her in a better better position. Yeah, I think it all comes down to very clear communication um, at, at the kind of roots of it all. Oli, do you have any kind of closing remarks um, on, on that topic? So, yeah, I think the, the only thing that I would mention is just, I guess, making sure that there's transparency about the, the outcomes that everyone's aligning to um, uh, and making sure the, the work that, that they are delivering is going to be impactful in terms of both having ownership for the work that they're, they're delivering and making sure it's aligning back to what the business strategy is as well. Um Certainly there's going to be times where there's going to be work that's going to be, let's say, not ideal or a little bit more mundane or a little bit repetitive. But I think it's important there to be having those open, transparent conversations with your team just to make them aware, look, you know, we're doing this for a reason. There is a purpose for this. It's, you know, to help us move towards this goal. Um, it's not just to make your life more painful. 
Um, so I think that is also really important as well. Brilliant. Thank you for that. I'm actually going to throw a bit of a curveball here that I'd like to ask you all. Um, how can a high performing individual contributor affect the morale of the team? If you've got someone who's, you know, kind of leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else and how, and, and if you even need to kind of level the playing field to, to kind of get everyone up to the same level. Ben, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, sure, Danny. Thanks. Um, look, uh, high-performing individual contributor in a team. I think it really depends a lot on their attitude, to be honest, um, and, and the team culture. You know, because um, they can be inspiring if it, if they have a bit of a mentor mindset. So, and they can really uplift everyone around them who, who wants to work with them because they're going to learn so much from them. Um, but you know, if 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 they are a little bit, they they, they want everyone to know that they're better than those around them, and uh, you know, maybe maybe are a little bit critical of 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 others around them, and that can be really small things, just choices of words on PR comments and those kinds of things. Um, and I've worked with teams that have had elements of this over the years, you know, then, then it can go the other way. So I, it really depends so much on just team culture and um, what you reward. It's why, say, uh, so in the creative framework we have, Equilla here, uh, we have a mentor element to it and that celebrates that support and that sharing of skills from one person to another and that's that's the reason for that is to 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 promote the kind of culture where you therefore would want to work with someone who is ahead of you and uh, just in your progress in your craft and, and and that inspires the people around them to learn from them brilliant i like that a lot ollie do you have any thoughts on that yeah so i, I think certainly um there are, I guess, certain individuals that want to be uplifted and be in the spotlight, and sometimes you do need to appease them um, just because they might be critical to your team. Um, I think the important thing to be, um, I guess, teaching them and coaching them uh, around is things things like training and mentoring. Um, how do you, I guess, multiply um, and grow individuals that are somewhat similar uh, in terms of performance and, and output, but then also, um, you know, uh, uh, helping upskill others around the organisation as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I, I was just again referring back to just when you asked that question. Um, I think you might know Uncle Bob or um, Robert Martins, he might have heard of him. So the one of the Agile um, founder, so he was talking about that clean code book and his, he was discussing about the exact same topic and he was just going through having one asshole and <laughs> and just <you> know, <laughs> uh, and then just bunch of like, you know, the intermediate level team. So which one you would take? And then he was just do, doing a really good comparison. And you don't want to have those like one or two, like, you know, superstars in your team. They want to just do that and just leave. But rather, I would say that someone is just, you know, really um, flexible and, you know, constant face a team would just, you know, yield a better results. Um, yeah, absolutely. So you just, you know, that it, it's like the talent kills ego kind of thing. So your just ego is just going to kill your talent. Um, to me, it, it looks like, you know, we're just having a little bit of um, that really nice morale in the team so that everyone just upskilled and everyone help each other and just, you know, they perform as a team. So that's a better outcome than one person just doing it all 
and just making everyone feels miserable. So, um, yeah, we I have uh, too many awkward situations, but just you know, to me, I I try to do it a little bit of like you know, an efficient way. Um, just again, the motivation is another factor. Just having a little bit of the incentive systems or whatever, however you want to do it. Just making sure everyone is, as Oliver mentioned, up leveling the the team skill. So another approach that you could take, but at the same time, bringing everyone into the same phase is going to make your life much more easier than you just have to manage two different kind of people, different kind of teams. Um, you're just making sure that everyone is in a constant or a similar phase, so it's just much easier for any leaders. Fantastic. <laughs> That's brilliant, mate. Thank you so much for that. Um, I know, Ben, we were chatting, and I think something you wanted to kind of talk about was the aligned autonomy collaboration principle that you guys have over at Quilla. Do you want to kind of talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so I think we've touched on a few few elements of it. Um, in a way, some, Oliver touched on one point, I think, with the uh, the creating of that, that, that trustful environment with the team where teams can operate with that autonomy. But then I think a comment Pisana made around that ownership at the leader level. Um, I think perhaps in some ways that's a little less understood, you know. Uh, sometimes leaders, they're, they're just directly doing their role with teams and not often the conversation is had where the leader actually explains what their role is. Um, and sometimes it can help, I think, to, to, to do that, to say, particularly if there's context, broader context, like, uh, hey, okay, so I'm actually working with three teams and team, team A is doing one thing and team B is doing another, and this is what I'm seeing, how they're interconnecting. Uh, and, and just bringing context into a conversation with a team that, that you're working with can then help them understand that there, there is a bigger picture and things can get a bit complicated at that that space above. Um, that's the puzzle that the, the leader is grappling with. Um, and that's where alignment uh, comes in. So the idea of aligned autonomy uh, at Quiller as a collaboration principle is that we're just trying to strive that balance. That we agree that alignment in terms of everyone working on, on work that is impactful all the way up it is, is really important and maximizes the impact of everyone's work in the company. But autonomy is also important, um, that there needs to be trust in the decisions that are being made as leaders and teams and then teams working towards outcomes. Uh, how all of that is happening as well. So uh, it's one of those interesting principles, I think, where we're not trying to find one kind of extreme. We're in the messy middle trying to find the balance. And that means, uh, I don't know if you've, how much you've all heard of this, the term of like messy work, but one of, one of a really cool practice that I think demonstrates aligned autonomy is where you're getting into that sort of whiteboard situation with leaders and teams both there. Not everything has been figured out at that point. Um, leaders are bringing some context, teams are bringing their context, and, and you're, you're kind of willing to have that messy conversation and it might take an extra day or, or week. Um, but, but that's just one example of the kind of practice we follow that uh, seeks to represent that principle. Fantastic. Basan, have you got any kind of comments um, to, towards the aligned autonomy principle? Um, yeah, I think um, the leader as as a high performance team, so um, we have to be a little bit more like, you know, clear in our objectives or like, you know, clear what we are trying to achieve and, you know, our approach. And it's really meaningful. And just having that, you know, we need to be like, you know, build the commitment and confidence in the team. So I think as, as a leader, so we are trying to constantly, you know, upskill the team so that team has the 
abilities to take on any difficult you know, task or, or the, the goals we are trying to achieve or outcome we are trying to achieve. So just making sure that you know, we are always providing that uh, opportunity to them. And again, just you know, trying constantly to improvise the relations in the, in the team itself. Like, you know, they're pretty flexible. They don't need to stop for me to, hey, I have to go to my manager and get back to the other person. So that if there's any issues arises or they have conflicts or any of that, they could immediately tap on each other's shoulders and get it sorted. So to building that kind of relationships is something that as a leader you should be focusing on. Uh, and at the same time, like, you know, if there's any obstacles, we need we see that immediately just having some quick, like, you know, action plans ourselves for just how can I remove that obstacle as a leader and then constantly um, understanding what is it going to hinder, like, you know, is it going to hinder my group performance or team performance and identifying those opportunities and just, you know, trying to remove um, those few things. And again, and <laughs> at the same time, I just, you know, um, yeah, um, just having that uh, each and individuals, if they are, like, you know, really due for credit and we're just always making sure that we are giving enough credit to the guys so that their confidence is 100% boosted. And they're like, you know, just to you know if there is any similar activities comes in future, so it jumps on. Um, but at the same time, so I have seen uh, some of those, like, you know, the one guy is performing really, it doesn't mean that, you know, we just keep overloading on him. And at the same time, we are making sure that, you know, the same activities has been equally distributed among the team so that they doesn't feel that, you know, it's just a little bit of the inferiority and superiority complex as well. Um, and just making sure that, you know, the re really fair distribution. Uh, those are the few points what I can think of as like as a leader. Brilliant. Yeah. Ali, do you have any thoughts to finish us off um, regarding those? Yeah, so I think for me, um, certainly with my experience it, it, around, I guess, the, the autonomy piece, um, it, it, it is, I guess, the ideal situation that you kind of you you want to be uh, meeting uh, in terms of having those self-organizing teams um, and just being able to empower your teams, give them the tools, processes, etc., for them to go and do their job and they pop up their head, you know, maybe when they need some help. Um, I think sometimes the hard thing there um, for me has been sometimes people need to be led and, and managed. Um, others can just go off and, and do their own thing. Um, so it's about helping understand um, those different personalities, certainly across your teams, and making sure that, you know, everyone's uh, needs are, are being met. Um, just because, again, you're going to have different personalities. Um, ideally, you, you want to have that self-organising team and empower autonomy. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it's something important to be aware of as well. Brilliant. I think we can all agree there's definitely not one size fits all approach to um, creating high performance teams. It's um it's a topic that we could probably talk about for hours. But I think as we kind of finish off the podcast, has anyone got any closing comments or final thoughts that'd like to add? Any takeaways from the session? I think it is that variability and uh, being adaptive as a leader is is super important. There is no there is no perfect. Uh, so there is no sort of extreme, probably isn't, that's yeah, somewhere in the middle and, and, and leaders are constantly trying to find balance and adapting. I think that's what makes leadership hard, but, you know, we, 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 we're principled, if we're principled and we, we're clear on that future direction, that, that outcome that we want to go, then everyone can fall back to that when, when things do get a bit messy. Uh, and I think that's what, like, gives, gives me positive vibes around being a leader is that we can talk about that positive direction and 
and adapt as we go. Amazing. Great stuff, guys. Listen, I think that's probably all we have time for today. Thank you all so much for joining me. Um, I'm looking forward to catching you on hopefully a future episode.